absolutely phenomenal. And how do you put statistics on this, Phil? This isn't measurable because this is the art of human. I think there's tears in your eyes, Raymond. It's the 30th of October. Welcome to the Soccer in Theory podcast with Mark J. I'm Ashwin Bajaj, and today we'll be discussing the events coming out of the world of football and look towards the week ahead. You can follow us on the Soccer in Theory podcast, available both on Apple and Spotify, and also on our website, soccerintheory.com. Well, Mark, we dealt with the World Cup last time, and, and it'll probably come up here and there, but I think we should go back to our you know pet club in a sense um barcelona they're out of the champions league um i don't i yeah well they are guaranteed a europa league spot but i know the three i know the three of us watch have watched barcelona over the years we like the aesthetic a lot and and but we do have varying opinions on what's going wrong with them right i mean Mm. we all sort of differ a little bit What's going on? I mean, there is lots. Of- <laughs> and I don't even mean the financial side. You know, whatever levers they're operating, because you know, fin- football finances are really, really arcane and abstruse. They, it's hard to figure out what's going on in terms of whether you have some really rich owner coming in and transforming a club, or whether you are trying to sell off um, club assets the way Barcelona has this year. But in terms of style and play, and we saw about two or three weeks ago, what happened, they were very, very, very unconvincing in the, in the classical. Madrid oh. didn't even have to play well to win. Yeah. Oh, like, is the Xavi revolution, which was hailed as if this would be the second pep or the third cry, it's not come to be, it seems. Where do you think the real problems lie? I am, I think it's a, a, a problem where I think Barcelona would have been fine if they didn't bring in all of these players this year and just gave him some continuity between the squad he had last year into this year and just tempered the expectations and just said, let's continue on with this club. They already have the young talent. Um, They had a cohesiveness around the team, but then they brought in all of these players around whom there were huge question marks. I mean, Rafinha, we already have Dembele. How many inconsistent maverick style left-footed wingers do we need in one starting 11 it's very awkward right you have two wingers they're both left-footed Dembele is clearly better typically and why are you (laughs) I I don't understand what's happening there it's they both want to cut in on their left foot um it's very confusing um Lewandowski we've been through this phase 34 he he's not the same player he was his goal scoring ratios are still decent this year but if you're watching just the run of play he doesn't affect the game um in so it's whereas they had Depay last year I don't see anything can I just can I just ask you a little more about Lewandowski because he's been whenever they win he's been the person scoring the goal right including yesterday when he scored in the last minute but (laughs) like Barcelona over the last maybe 15 years they've not really had an out I mean okay Suarez has been that for a certain period but he also did other things he used to play well with Neymar and Messi as you know some sort of used to drop back a little bit once in a while 
Lewandowski is an out-and-out striker. Like you just yeah. said, he doesn't affect play beyond, you know, just in the box. What do you think is, like, what is your assessment of his performance? Is he, has, he, has he been doing his... Or, no, uh, I don't think he's been very good at all. I, I think right. he's been poor. I think it's... The expectations were too high, not, not in the sense that, like, people were hyped up too much. It's just the club basically... Bag- put their financial future on a 35 year old Lewandowski. Like why? I I don't, it doesn't really make sense, but by doing that, you create these expectations. It's like, okay, he could have won the Ballon d'Or. What was it like two years ago when, um, then, and and Messi ended up winning and then there was like COVID and they didn't give out the award. And, but he has not been that player, um, at all for Barcelona. He's been scoring, but even in, you know, um, in uh, the first game against Bayern. And it's like, I remember when you picked Barca versus Bayern. And, I mean, if he had you know, scored, if he scored, exactly. chances, if he had scored we might be looking at, yeah, we might've been looking at something different, but he, right. but he didn't. And that um, is the problem, and, right? He didn't score. I mean, he missed a pretty simple chance against Madrid as well. Didn't score in the two Bayern matches, scored a couple of goals in the match against Inter at home when it yeah. was really desperate. But otherwise, in the big games, it seems like there has been... He's been misfiring a bit. I, I, I don't... I honestly don't understand the tactics. I don't understand what Xavi is doing. And it's hard to... It, it, I don't mean like I think he's an idiot. I mean, when I'm watching, I don't understand what it's meant to look like. Because you have... in. Even when it was Messi, Neymar, and, and Suarez, which is miles ahead of what they have now, there is still much more continuity between the midfield and the yeah. forward line. It was almost like those guys were more technical and, and more and more the ball moved faster when it got up there, but still it would it would the ball would interchange and the players would rotate. Whereas now it really seems like the midfield's job is just to get the ball up to Dembele. And his job is to beat three people and whipping across, and Lewandowski's job is to score the cross, and it's the same for Rafinha. I don't see that much interchange um, between Rafinha, Dembele, and let's say like Pedri and Gavi or Pedri and De Jong. It's too, I think the midfield is too old and stagnant. Um, I don't oh, mean just old mean, in like... terms of, I mean Busquets, I think Busquets is too old, but I just think that it's like, when I say old, it just, it just feels rigid. The midfield three just does not feel dynamic. It doesn't feel like the ball gets to them and then those three interchange and they get it forward. It seems like it's very predictable um, between the midfield, the midfield three. I think we've Rayon has a different perspective, but I, I I totally disagree disagree with Rayon. Like he thinks, you know, Busquets is kind of like holding the team down um, and and anchoring the team and playing well. And from certain angles, you can see. Okay, he is, you know, still technically very gifted on the ball, but whether he plays well or plays poorly, that position of the holding midfielder who's an aesthetic, you know, passing. Okay, Busquets gets his tackles in, but he's clearly not like a Conte. He's not a Makalele. He's he's in there for his for his offensive more than his defensive work. He doesn't move. He does not move. And he doesn't have the range of passing. So like when Pirlo was there towards the end of his career, he didn't really move either when he was on Juventus, but his range of passing was, you didn't know if he was going to pass at five yards or if he was going to pass at 50 yards. Right. So it really was difficult to, to defend against. And when he got the ball 
it was a trigger for the attacking for the wing backs or for the wings or for even attack midfield to make a run. Busquets likes to play short all the time. So you have this slow old man in the middle of the field and he needs all these people that are next to him to play short with him. And I think that stylistically worked when the people next to him was Xavi and Iniesta, probably the two greatest midfielders, you know, of the last 30 years, both in their primes next to each other. But when it's just Pedri, and or when it's Gavi, it just not enough happens. I like Pedri stylistically, but he's clearly just not as he's not at the stage of his career where he's effective enough to compensate for this. So it seems like they Barcelona just doesn't. Um, but just, but just know, stick sticking yeah, with that. In, in, um, <clears throat> so I do want to ask you, what would be the problem with playing De Jong, Pedri, and Gavi? I mean, I'll, I'll, I see no problem. You, I'll, I'll let you think about that. But <laughs> with Busquets, I think I agree with you completely. The thing is, he's technically still all right. He doesn't have the passing range. But the point is, Barcelona's whole setup in the last 15, 20 years has been longer, but especially these Pep and, and, and beyond. That position, I've said that just several times, it, it requires a lot of coverage. I, you yeah. know, I didn't even know who Busquets was in 2007 or 8 <laughs> when I first saw him. I, who's this guy who always wins the ball back? Yeah. And then you hear Busquets, Busquets. That's, that's, I mean, I, he didn't come with a, he was a La Masia player. He didn't come yeah. with, you know, as a high profile transfer or something. He can't do that anymore. He doesn't have coverage. He doesn't have pace. So what he can do is if the ball's with him, and even for the Spanish national team, that's what his role is reduced to. He, when the ball's with him, he can pass a little bit and, you know, he still faints and turns a little yeah. well. But that's not what the position's there for. You need to have pace and coverage. And they've been suffering for the last four, three or four years because, you know, he's dropped off. But coming back to the question, you, you see no problem. I mean, so why, why hasn't he got... Um, I, I honestly, I honestly, I don't understand. If I could ask Javi one question, it would be that question. Because he hasn't tried it in a single game, though, right? I have never seen no, those three he, later. He doesn't try it, and I think he tried. You know, he tries De Young there, like sporadically. Like if you remember in the Inter match, De Young came on. I can't remember if it was for Busquets or I think it was for Busquets, um, it, or um, I think it came in around the 60th minute when the game was already kind of right. moving in a chaotic direction, and it was just night and day. Because he gets the ball, and he can just turn whoever's on him, and then he's running and he's and he's running at the defenders, and he's making the defenders move. I think De Jong can basically. I mean, Busquets. Don't get me wrong. He's defensively in when he's in position. He uses those long legs to to really good effect. Um, he's really good at making tackles when he's in and around the ball. And on the ball, he's still like brilliant. It's still very rare to see him lose the ball yeah. in almost any situation. I mean, he did lose the ball um, tragically, like for the Inter's second goal, I believe he just gave it away and couldn't get back. And that's how Inter scored. But I'll tell um, you, even so, against Real Madrid, the last one was a penalty. I mean, yeah, yeah. Goal. but the first two, there's no cover for the defense. They've gotten caught out. I know, I know. He doesn't Busquets, have to. He's not, yeah, Busquets is not I know. there. <laughs> Busquets so. is not there. And the thing is, if he's not there, you would like someone. See, see not like, okay, like Rand's point. I mean, he, he couldn't be on. So I want to make his point for him. His point, why he's kind of stubborn. He like texts me this, you know, 
Busquets, every time Busquets makes a, you know, a clever pass, I'm getting a, you know, a ding on my phone or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, what I think Ryan fears is like, you know, this end of a golden generation where like this Busquets, not just Busquets, but the Busquets type player, it might become like a relic of the game. And so I, and, and so that's what he's afraid. So he's like, you know, wants to romanticize this, this player. But the thing is for me, it's like, if, if you have, like what it, I'm trying to, like I'm trying to just come up with a comparison for Busquets. I think Pirlo at the end of his career was much better than Busquets is now. I mean, clearly he was. You know, he right. was still. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, he was. I think he was supported better, also, right? For he was supported better. But that's what I'm trying to say. Like when he was on the Juventus team, there was a young Pogba and a young Arturo Vidal. Right. That right. was with him in the midfield three. Yeah. So those guys were doing all of the work for him. And Vidal, Whereas, I mean, there was no, he's, he ran, he used to run till he was 33. Like, there was never any problem. I mean, just, you need players ran, like that around you, right? He ran until he joined Barcelona. And then, <laughs> and then, and then but anyway, so you have, I, I just, I, I'm, try, I'm trying to compose myself because it, it is like, it is irritating and it is a bit vexing because in Busquets, you have a player that's, you know, like a sort of like an, an idol in, in a right. way. And it's, and he's not clearly bad. Like PK is, I don't know what the heck has happened to PK. Yeah, well, he's dropped. I mean, that that's the one good thing that Gabby is. <laughs> but but you, saw him, you, you but saw him was, when he left, when he left the ball for, in the intermatch. You yeah, said, you know, completely. <laughs> but see, he's playing only because there are injuries. So Javi didn't have a choice, but otherwise he and Alba now are like, they've been dropped from the team. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying. So, but but, but seems then... to have like like you know like the romanticizing that you and Rehan are doing is Javi's yeah. doing that too. <laughs> I no, it's interesting. It's interesting. No, it's true because even PK, he was their center back last year, and yeah, now nightmare. He's a nightmare. But now I'm watching them play against Bayern, and Ashwin, the match against Bayern. I don't know if you saw it. Was yeah, I saw it, but yeah. It was so bad, like right. It, it was in. It was. It was. It was at the camp. Nou. It was. And, and but it was to be just, fair to them, they'd already. They no, already knew they were gone. So. So like, Byron already knew they were in. Also, there was neither. Yeah, there was true. nothing at stake for either team. That's true. Both teams more or less played their best eleven. What was sad about it? Bayern didn't even have to play. You know, they didn't have to raise the game. Nothing. They like no, they, like they were in. They didn't have to get out of second gear. It was a training session, and uh, it was really sad to see Hector Bellerin out there. I don't know what has happened to this guy. His hair is now really long, and I think I would just put it down to hopefully like this rotation, because that's another point that Rand made. It's a good point, like in terms of what is Javi doing. I don't mean to throw any shade at Hector Bellerin. I mean he's probably just out of shape. what is is Xavi doing what is Xavi doing like there's too much squad rotation just get some semblance of an 11 but is that I I don't is that also true because the players aren't consistent but my, my issue of course that could be true it's just my issue is you shell out all of this money for these players just play them I don't understand. Like you bought Frank Kessier, this guy was probably the best midfielder in all of Italy last year. He's a proven player. He's he's a yeah. world class player. Just play him. 
What, he, he makes three bad passes and then he has to sit on the bench for two games and then you put him in in the 60th minute and he doesn't score. And they, I, I don't understand the, the pressure. And he plays well, actually. I've never seen, whenever I've seen them, he doesn't... He's really good. He doesn't, if, like, if I, you know, do himself any... Um, like, you can see that he's playing reasonably well. It's not like he's giving the ball away. He's always No, he's energetic. a very solid player. If I'm the Barcelona coach... I'm playing De Jong in the hole there and Pedri on one side and Kessie on the other side. Gavi, he, he, I, I like Gavi, but this Pedri and Gavi thing, I feel like Gavi got a real boost by being in and around the same age as Pedri. I mean, I think Pedri is like absolutely world-class. Gavi, I think is is good, but I don't see, I don't think. He's also teams, very young. I, mean, it's a, I know, but I'm saying the, well, all I'm yeah, there is, is a difference in quality for sure. I mean, at least right now. It's like when Messi was there and then and then Bojan was there. They're like Messi and Bojan. I'm like, no, no, it's just Messi and this other guy happens to, you know, be the similar age and height and like it's you know. And I mean, no disrespect to Gavi, but I, I would play those three and then I, yeah, I don't know what what Ansu Fati's situation is, but I think like. I see that again is a very, very inconsistent player. Like he plays well for about 20, 25 minutes. And it's just he can't last a whole game. Maybe it's because yeah. of the injury he had the last couple of years. Yeah. One, one other yeah. thing is, is, is Javi under too much pressure? Like, you know, yes. even <laughs> Laporta, he keeps saying that even last year that Barcelona doesn't have, a, you know, a year in which they're just settling in and trying to rebuild. They have to win something major every year, and in trying to do that, in trying to get immediate success, you're at no point trying to build a team which will, you know, after a few months at least, become the team that can right. you know, get you results next season at least. Is that one of the reasons? Because it seems like yeah, I agree with you. There's too much tinkering, too much tinkering. There's you're just not settled into a. Yeah, I think that's completely it. It's like. Watching someone who doesn't, yeah, just who doesn't have enough sleep almost. You're just like, what, what are you doing? Like, what, you know, they're playing in, in, in the recent Champions League maps. They're playing Pedri now is one of the attacking. Pedri yeah. was coming in off the left wing. Why? Yeah. What, why? And then you have De Jong. I just don't understand. Yeah, there's, there's too much tinkering. I mean, injuries aside, every team in Europe deals with injuries. Barca dealt with a big one with Araujo and, and Kunde getting injured. Okay, so that's your two center. Okay, fine. But how can Marcus Alonso, who's a wing back for third Chelsea, choice, third choice in Chelsea? I mean, the wing back, and the only coaches that ever favored him were the ones that favored a very attacking style of play, and he would get in over Chilwell because just he could whip in across with his left foot. He's playing center back. So I know PK is on the outs, but how can Marcus Alonso be in a center back position ahead of PK? I'm like, what is happening? I mean, even Arsenal has been shambolic at times in the past, but you never had a situation like this where your back line is is Marcus Alonso, Bellerin on the right, an 18 year old kid. Well, we played David Luiz for two years, and then don't forget. Ryan sent me a Brazilian league match from beat in the air. I think it was Chimos, but David Luiz was on the pitch and just 
within five minutes he was he's conceding the first goal like i was like oh my god this guy can't even have his, his swan song in brazil but um yeah i think there's too much tinkering and i i think i actually think barcelona with just the players that they had last year we're in a very good position. Like, it's not like this Madrid team is, is particularly good this year. I mean, because Benzema was really carrying them. I mean, I like Madrid. I, I think they're one of the best teams in Europe. But in terms of how they were so successful, Benzema had to score, what, 40 goals for them. Yeah. So even if Benzema gives them 20 goals, I, I think they're going to basically be 20 goals shy. I mean, Vinicius might knock in a couple more, but that's not. they're not going to compensate for that. So... I think it's a week. I mean, we're going to talk other about thing that. It's a with, week. No, I think you're right. Because with Madrid as well, like they're now, they've played five matches in the Champions League. And even though they've qualified, they haven't qualified in first position. So they're going to have to take this week's match very seriously as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, which shows that there is a general, you know, there's some with Serie A and La Liga. I mean, they three out of four teams got booted out in the Champions League this this year, it's only Madrid that survived. Yeah, I mean, we're, we've been talking about that how those leagues financially can't compete, but I think Barcelona only has themselves to blame. They have, they had, they have the team. They had the team before they bought all of these players. I mean, I think of all the purchases they made. Okay, Kunde seems a sensible purchase. They needed a defender. They bought a defender. He was at Sevilla. He's proven. He looks, I mean, he's made a couple of mistakes recently, but he looks overall, yeah, he, to looks my okay, eyes. Yeah. he looks fine. So they needed a center back. They got a center back. Um, I mean, they also bought Ericsson. They also have a Rajo. I, I mean, I don't really Garcia, understand. Yeah, um, yeah, they have Garcia. But I was just going to say. I like, think they needed to buy. I mean, here, I, I think they needed to sort of, I don't know if there was a player available, but they did need to replace Busquets and Alba. Because yeah. Busquets, we've talked about enough, but I think the wingbacks, again, in a team which sort of um, plays with the kind of style they, I mean, I, I don't know, I guess any team, you know, you can't have an aging wingback like yeah. that and, and hope that things are going to be okay. Right. They've had this problem for a while now. I mean, it's both on left and, and right. It, it, yeah, I, I mean, they, they have this kid, Balde, it's to be determined. Yeah, he's he's, he's okay actually. He's not too bad, but you wouldn't like you know suddenly put the entire no, I um, know weight on him to do well <laughs> immediately, right? Like he's but he seems like a good prospect. I mean, he's better, but who knows? But yeah, the, the thing the thing is the the in a weakened La Liga and I think honestly just a weakened European field this 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 year. I mean, aside from City, I think pretty much it's you know. Um, it's a pretty it's pretty open because Bayern, right. you know, is is having trouble domestically. Um, PSG is st- still showing flashes know of inconsistency. Right? Like, yeah, but I'm saying uh, the overall field yeah. is not not open. is yeah. not one in which a Barcelona absent huge investment should really have trouble navigating. Right. I mean, they, I don't understand Depay. Memphis Depay is like a proven world class striker. He's been consistently very good for Netherlands. He's he was really good in um, in the French league for for a number of years um, with Lyon, and they bought him. He got his big move 
he's a perfect Barcelona player. He's a kind of a, a striker who can come back, play with his feet. And they just bought him, gave him no chance, then bought Aubameyang, gave him and shipped him off. I, I just don't understand um, the, the urgency. Yeah. yeah, I don't understand. I'm trying to understand like the psychology of being a player. It just seems like you're under uh, too much pressure all of the time. Whereas I'm just trying to think, no matter what starting 11, um, I think as long as he took Busquets out of the team and put De Jong uh, in in the in the in that spot, um, I and think any try that, try that for a few weeks, right? Even if yeah, it's, you know, it's... yeah, exactly. Busquets isn't going anywhere. You can, and I'm sure he would understand because that's how he got his start. If you remember, like Yaya Toure. Was... Yaya Toure, yeah, exactly. Only when he was ready did they say, "Yes, we're going to release Yaya to Man City," and exactly. and Busquets took over. The other problem, but... and and then you know maybe we can move on from Barcelona. <laughs> the last thing is they don't have any leader figures. I mean. Right. There's no Puyol, no Busquets and Pique. They don't like Busquets is not always, you know, he, he no. himself is not. He's not a demonstrative type. Exactly. He's, he's both, I think he's Spain's captain as well, though, so that there is something over there. But I, he's not really exactly, like you said, a demonstrative sort of. Um, like he's not a Ronaldo figure or a Puyol or a Rafael Marquez or, you know, even a Javi, you know, who needs. They, they don't have anyone right now. Mm-hmm. There is not a single player who you would say, okay, okay, he's going to take responsibility, you know, to marshal the troops. I mean, yeah. that 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 doesn't help very much when you're having problems of confidence and um, organization in the way they are. It 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 just it strikes me to I'm trying to collect my thoughts on it before we move on. It just strikes me that they're halfway between tiki taka and then kind of a classicos situation where they're just buying and it's like i don't understand i I don't understand tactically what's happening because when you watch the match even when it's been javi pedri and and, i mean uh, uh, gavi pedri and busquets it's not like you see those three players getting very close to each other and playing intricate passing combinations it's 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 all very flat and stale um and defensively the frailties are still there it just I, I don't know, and I think if they let if the if the pressure builds and this is it for Xavi, it's such a false opportunity because right. Xavi, you have to imagine, is yeah, obviously I mean, knows his stuff. Like yeah. I can't I can't imagine him not being a, a top manager tactically if just given a little breathing room. The thing is, I was watching the Arsenal match um, earlier today against um, Nottingham, and first of all, they looked fantastic. But yeah, the second thing that, yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, I mean, the like thing a really, margin, like five minutes. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. No, no, Liverpool was a nice win in terms of, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, just in terms of number. <laughs> yeah, but they look great. Today. No, no. So, but in terms of the point about Busquets, see, like, the big problem I had going into the year, and I think, like, Arteta has proven, like, my way of thinking to be, like, wrong so far, is, like, Xhaka, I always found him to be such a complete waste of space because he he would just he would sit next to the player who was holding and he would never do anything with the ball other than just shift it along to whoever was near him. And I'm thinking, why is this guy here? But I was watching them play against Forrest today, and Partey does what Busquets cannot do. Exactly. The four players 
on Arsenal have the, the four defenders, and then it's Partey. And then the next Arsenal midfielder is 20 yards advanced. And Partey is covering all of that space. And if they lose the ball, he's covering all of that space. But with the ball, they're realizing what a gem of a player. And I, I'm thinking, if I haven't made this point already, it's not like um, Atletico Madrid and Simeone to be like not shrewd in the market. And they let they just let us have Partey for, for Lucas Torreira, um, which looks a very very bad move indeed. And I think maybe a little bit of money, but I think there might have there might have been some injury concerns or something. Why but we got but, him for, but I, I for think a, that also because it seemed like such a senseless move even then, considering what a good player he was for yeah. Right. He was and a known the fact entity. That Arsenal have needed this player for the last fifteen years. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Left. but the other but the thing is and, and i'm not like not to talk about this but i think that might be also because of the clout of the epl like they're offering bigger contracts etc so it's mm-hmm. very hard to keep a player and when you know that mm-hmm. he's not going to sign again he's mm-hmm. not going to extend his contract or sign another one yeah forced to but i agree with you i think parte if he gets injured i mean Odegaard, all of these are Saka, who yeah, yeah. I hope is going to get bet. I mean, I know he's injured today. Hopefully, yeah. not for the World Cup. But everyone else, I can see. Okay, you know, they'll manage. Partey, they're going to sink. At least, at least. That's yeah, yeah. Oh, I agree entirely, and we saw that last year. Oh yeah, but last to, year exactly. To make the points with 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 Partey, it's just like the that is something that very few. That's some. I mean. Man City doesn't normally do that sort of thing because Gundogan and De Bruyne like to so get Rod- close to the ball. Rodri has that kind of role, right? For... But Rodri, if yeah, he could handle that. He can handle that. Right. Um, if 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 the other if Bernardo Silva, Gundogan, and De Bruyne aren't anxious for the ball, they can just stay high and pick their moments to come into the pocket. Whereas right. what you see with Barcelona is there's always it's. It's what you see with like bad with bad teams. Typically, it's like they don't have the confidence to um, to to stay higher up the field because they're afraid they're going to lose the ball. So there's just a lot of like dead weight on the field. Like, okay, I play square to you, you pass back, you play square to me. But right. instead, of, I mean, you see it with like with Everton. I was watching Everton um, t- yesterday. It was a fantastic match against Fulham. But they have um, they have this guy Onana. Um, really top player and 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 a shout out to Awobi. Awobi is playing really well um, in center midfield for them. But they have Ghana and they have Onana. And my point is that Frank Lampard, I don't think trusts and I don't think they trust themselves to um, their positions that they occupy attackingly could just be one player doing that job. But they have two there in case one of them loses the ball. So instead of Ghana looking up and seeing a field, a whole field in front of him, he just sees Onana five yards to his left. And if he doesn't have a pass or if someone's pressed him, he just plays it there. And I see the same thing with Busquets and, and Gavi and Pedri. It's just like they're too, they're so close to each other. But back in the day when it was Xavi, Iniesta, Busquets, they would be so close to each other. And then one of them would turn and the triangle would break, Would they would create some angle and then they'd be through. Whereas now it's just a lot of passing very close to each other. And but what I saw with Arsenal today is Partey has the ball and and in the narrow lens that the television gives you, you don't even see Odegaard or Xhaka, never mind Martinelli or Saka when he when he was on and Nelson there. They're all up higher. So 
um, it's really a nightmare to defend because they're all just shooting into those pocket of spaces and they can all turn. So um, that's, some, real... that's something actually that I, I noticed only this season. I didn't know that dimension of his game. He's actually a very good passer. Oh my gosh. Very good passer. I mean, I didn't know that. I mean, he's a very good defensive midfielder and covers and tackles, but this side of his game is really coming out. And I think that's the reason why they can be so far away from him, right? Because he will pick them out. Yeah. And and I think that's another thing. I mean, I I like Busquets. I don't want to turn into a roast, but Busquets doesn't have that ball that even Partey does where he just pings a 50-yard ball. Because the thing is, if, when the defense gets very compressed, the only way um, to to kind of um, undermine that kind of pressing is to very quickly switch the ball. And Busquets just doesn't seem to have like the leg strength or something like that. I mean, it's just he can't. Whenever he hits a fifty-yard ball, it's floated. It takes forever to get out there. Yeah. So defenses, I think, are realizing against Barcelona, there's really not that much to be afraid of, and so they can just press. Very, very attackingly, and I think they used to do that versus Arsenal as well. Arsenal used to hate them when they're being pressed, but now teams press them, you know, first five, ten minutes of the game, and they realize, oh shit, like you know, these these guys, they're also <laughs> we're in quick, trouble. Quick players, right? Like Saka right. and Martinelli, and these are exactly fast. Yeah. So, what do you think? I mean, is Arsenal? I mean, I don't know how many matches of the season we are through, but we're like a wow. third of the way through. Yes, I mean, well, they're the only the contenders. Table. They're the only contenders. I mean, I think. Well, I'd put City. Yeah, I'd say City is. You know, yeah, City. Just, I mean, distant. only contenders with City. Right? Like, I, I meant like Liverpool, Chelsea, Tottenham are not going to be competing. No. It's going to be either City just walks through or Arsenal. The thing is, if they don't have injuries, no. I now actually think they might just. Even though I, it'll be really nice to see whenever I know the city game got cancelled a couple of weeks ago. I don't know why it got cancelled though, um, or postponed. So mm-hmm. Arsenal and Man City are going to meet after the World Cup. When I, I think. Okay. Um, so that that'd be a really interesting match, right? Because it also a sense of momentum and so on. I hope Arteta is not going to give the calling cup and, and, you know, those kind of things too much importance because I don't think they have that kind of depth. No, no. They will start. I think they're starting to tire even now, but um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a very packed period, right? And you're using the same players. So the thing is that it will need some good rotation. It will need, but if, if they don't lose any of their big players and, um, I think they, yeah, I, I think they maybe either they'll win or be within five points, you know, which is a yeah. huge, huge I th- achievement. I think so too. I think Arteta deserves, you know, a huge right. credit, which I was, you know, completely um, reluctant to give him at the beginning of the season. And something really interesting that he's done, I don't know if he's kind of been forced into it or if it's, is we're essentially playing four center backs a lot of the time. I mean, Tomiyasu, Tomiyasu is amazing. And 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 Ben White has basically won that right back spot. And, and when they have Tomiyasu on the left, I mean, these are, even if he's not a proper center back, I mean, he's he's a very much a defensive minded uh, player. And I think like the fad in across Europe is to have, you know, basically number 10s or number sevens playing at these outside back positions. And we've gone completely the opposite direction and just solidified things. And I think it's a really sensible sensible thing it's just four defenders and parte 
and and Xhaka, you know, will will work. Um, you can't take that away from him. Right. And then you say to Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard, and Jesus, okay, we just need we need maybe two goals or, or get us at least a goal, and and the defense will take care of um, the rest. And that's very unlike Arsenal. <laughs> we haven't yeah. seen that, but it's like the you know it's I mean it's interesting to compare Arsenal to Liverpool because we I don't think we were, we've done one since they played Liverpool. And, uh, I mean, the, for my money, Arsenal just outplayed Liverpool. I mean, it was a great game, but I thought Arsenal was just the better team. Yeah. Um, and the thing with Liverpool is they're just not solid defensively. They're simply not solid defensively. And so something that's happened this season is we all identified Mane as being a huge something that they were going to suffer from. And when you become a little bit less clinical in front of goal, I mean, Salah's form has dropped, even though he scored a really beautiful goal against City. When you become a little bit less clinical, um, all of a sudden, you know, the, th- the five goals that you're getting every game becomes two. And then you have Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson just bombing up the wing kind of completely recklessly. Um, and a hollowed out midfield. It's just, I don't know. I don't see the same frailty in Arsenal. Um, whereas the games have very rarely been reduced to pure chaos. Um, and when, right. and when they have, at least we still have a parte because even like a Fabinho or something, someone like this, I don't think is, is near the level of a parte. Fabinho is a much with Liverpool. They are, I mean, missing money and, Two, two ways. One is, of course, Diaz and Nunez. I mean, different position, but Diaz is a more natural mm-hmm. replacement. It's going to take, you know, at least a full season before he. And Mane was an exceptional player, so it's still we'll have to see whether Diaz can fulfill that. He was also a very good presser, right? Like right. Uh, Mane. But the other thing is Klopp. I think we've discussed this before. Klopp's whole strategy is so in- intense so energy intensive <laughs> it's a young man's game yeah, I mean, yeah. when his midfield now is either they've reached their 30s like tiago or they're 29 they're almost there yeah, yeah, yeah. so you know even a small drop you can see a very very big difference whether like last year they they played every game and they reached all the finals they didn't win everything but there's a small drop and suddenly they look really bad. And um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that I think is, a, is a, it's, it's, this is how Klopp's sort of teams are set up. I mean, they're a very young man's game. And that time when you, I think they are the second oldest squad right now, Liverpool, in the, in the wow. part of the 20. Arsenal, I think, are the youngest. So once they replace those players and, you know, once they re- replenish their midfield, I think it will come back. But, um, this is not a team that can play Klopp style. And it seems like Klopp for everything. He doesn't seem to have a plan B. Not that a lot of these managers do. I mean, but he really right. doesn't have a plan B. It's, you know, he's playing the same game. At least that much I'll give Xavi that, you know, now with Lewandowski, is at least they're, they're not playing tiki-taka as such, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. That, but there's this different dimension. This guy doesn't seem to have a plan B. It's, it's all like he's no, trying right. to do that and it, it's, he just doesn't have the players for it. Yeah, there's the matches are almost unpleasant to watch. Like they're so I mean maybe they might be exactly what NBC Sports, for example, wants, but it, it's just pure frenetic. It's just watching a boxing match where they're just punching right at the it's like, man, what are you doing? Like you're playing against Nottingham Forest. You know, we like I mean, take it seriously. Like 
Right. Arsenal just played Nottingham Forest. They didn't even have to get out of second gear. Absolutely destroyed this team, which, by the way, every team has done to Nottingham Forest. So their investment strategy, you talk about bad investment strategy. They bought like 20, 22 players in the offseason, which right. is completely disrespectful. I remember when I was playing in, um, in pardon me if I've said this started, but I, remember I was playing in the, in, the, in the Mexican league in Detroit and it was like a cash league. There'd be a bunch of wagering on the side. And my coach, and we made it to the finals of the tournament. And my coach, Don Pepe, you know, the guy was walking around with the sombrero taking bets on the side. And then we made it to the final match. And then all these guys that are like 30s, they're smoking cigarettes. They're taking jeans. They're wearing jeans. They like rip off their jeans and they put on their shorts. And Don Pepe's like, we got our new players. Like, Mark, you're not playing all these. We're like, what do you mean? We're the ones who got here. They're like, oh, this guy played semi-professional in Mexico. And we brought him in for the finals. And I was like, oh, come on. But then they were terrible. You know, they were completely washed up and we lost. And I'm like, Don Pepe, you know, we got you here, man. Like, why are you playing all these guys? And um, he was like, oh, I'm sorry, you know, whatever. But it's the same with Nottingham Forest. I mean, you you got promotion. I could see bringing in a couple of players, but to completely buy a new squad. I think that's, a, the, that's the gamble that all these, I mean, it's now become profitable, right, in the Premier League <laughs> to do that. So, I mean, I mean it's yeah. ridiculous, though. Like, yeah, even ridiculous. if it works, Completely you've ridiculous. sold your soul. You've sold your soul either way. Uh-huh. But when it doesn't work, it's like, but, it, but anyway, soul, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's ridiculous. But anyway, like, you know, they have, um, we're seeing Arsenal play against Nottingham Forest. There's no need for Arsenal to come out of the gate in that match and just right. launch it forward and press completely frenetically. And only, no, just you're going to beat them in the course of the match. Right. But then Liverpool, after their big win against City, they can't even ha- take care of a Nottingham Forest. I mean, right. I think it was at Liverpool. I think it was at Anfield. Yeah, it was at Anfield. Well. Yeah, it was at so, Yeah. I mean, like, what? What is that? I mean, so there's um, there's yeah, there's structural, there's structural problems there. But I, I do think that Arsenal, um, I think we said it in the first talk. I mean, uh, uh, Arsenal at the best of their game beats everyone else in the Premier League handily, except City, uh, yeah. City I mean, who City probably beats them. I mean, if, or if City's at their top, I mean, I think, unfortunately... I mean, it'd be, it'd be a really not... interesting game, right? Because Arsenal yeah. has... I mean, it was at home, but they did beat Tottenham and Liverpool now. So it'll be a really good game if, if everyone's fit. Well, okay, if Arteta has done well, I mean, marshalling things, providing a certain structure, obviously been helped by the fact that he has a much younger team um, now, and, and, and he, you know, he's given a year, year and a half to develop it. Um, what about Ten Hag? Ten Hag, I mean, are United, it seems like he's actually been a really positive influence. Um, uh, the way he's played, I, I mean, the way he's got the team, I think he's working within the limitations of what United have. Right. The good thing is that he was able to get a couple of players from his older club. Lissandro, I think, came from there. Yeah. Um, Anthony came from there. They bought Casemiro as well. Well, there was this Ericsson. Like they've 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 given him some. They've they, they've given him a few resources, right, to work with, and he has a reasonable squad from before. Plus, the other thing I think, which with Ten Hag, apart from his being a good manager, they'd actually sunk low enough. Now the manager has far right. right? That that's right, important right. because the thing with. 
a lot of managers, like for, for instance, with um, you're expecting a continuity, right? Like, right. okay, so they have that pressure and they have to sort of live up to the reputation of the club, the success of the club and so on. Here it's when things have gone so badly down. <laughs> I mean, they came seventh or eighth last year. I think he finally was able to acknowledge that, okay, Ronaldo is a problem. Um, <laughs> I know that we've all had our debate about this, but the fact is that even though he scored goals last year, they scored less number of goals. They scored 58 as opposed to 67. So I know that some of those goals now are called Ronaldo goals, but the point is that the attacking prowess hasn't improved. So finally, someone is able to say, okay, this is a good player for the Europa League, you know, and if we need right. a substitute. And, you know, Rashford's doing really well. He scored again today, very good header. He's got his confidence back. Martial's injured, but he's playing well. When, and now Bruno, it's, it's a Bruno Fernandes team again. Right. Right? It's, it's centered around him. So at least he has a much better sense of what's going on. He's been able to impose himself. We saw what happened to Cristiano last week. You know, he wasn't able to get away with some nonsense like going down, going, not, not coming on. What do you reckon of Ten Hag? I mean, come, and he's been able to impose a certain discipline. That's what you yeah, yeah. manager, right? I was watching them. It was very gratifying. I was watching their match against Chelsea and about halfway through the match, 40 minutes in, the camera cut to Ten Hag and he had his little magnet board and he was very frantically moving his <laughs> 11 little pieces on the magnet board, like shouting, I guess, in Dutch. And the, you know, his assistant manager didn't seem to be listening to what he was saying, but you could tell he's a real tactician. And even the commentators said, like Peter Drury is like, you, they say it's a it's a it's a game of chess, you know. I was like, oh, wow, this really is a game of chess to Ten Hag. Um, I think he's done a great job. You know, I remember Gary Neville being all uh, apocalyptic after the first few matches. Oh, the you know this might be the worst United team we've had in like thirty years or whatever. And I saw where he was coming from. I kind of shared the sentiment, but man, he's turned them around quickly, hasn't he? I mean, the thing that they've done is they've gotten rid of McTominay Fred, which was, sure. <laughs> like, you know, yeah. it took him a while to get Casemiro into the team. I'm not really sure what was happening there, but Casemiro wasn't starting for, like, the first month after his signing. Yeah. Um, but now he's signing and he's he's yeah, Casemiro. He's I mean, well, we know, well, yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, you we know what Casemiro is. You don't, it's not a question. Um, he put him next to Ericsson, which is, um, I mean, that's not going to win you a title, but it's certainly a huge improvement from what they've had because Ericsson, um, Ericsson's just a lovely player to watch. Um, he doesn't have the agility, um, right. even with what he had a few years ago, but he's sensible when he gets the ball always. Um, and um, yeah, I mean, it's it, it's just a coherent team. If I saw Varane got injured. I'm not sure how I, I didn't see the match today. I don't know if he played, but no, no, he's played. injured. And in fact, like is he going to miss? He's going to come back just before the World Cup, so that that's a bit of a problem as well. Yeah. Because if you haven't so, played for a month, I mean, yeah, I saw how just dist- I happened just to be watching right when he got injured. I saw yeah. how distressed he looked. He was in tears. So, but they've had him and Lissandro 
which is another, I mean, not having Maguire, I mean, there's a lot of talk about Ronaldo, but Maguire is probably the big, well, you know, today, actually, I mean, they played him today because they had to, and he did get in a very important tackle. Not that that <laughs> sort of justifies everything, but, um, but yeah, they seem to have, I mean, okay, Varane's injured right now, but they've, they've sort of gotten another player like Martinez, who's, right. who's now after his dodgy start, seems to have really stamped his authority on, on the team. Yeah. And you'd hope. Argentina is taking notice as well because they always make some strange, you know, Otamendi seems to just be in the team regardless of right. age or form or well, really anything. With Argentina, it's still <laughs> Romero and Otamendi who will form the back line. But, yeah, it's, but it's, how? How can Otamendi be in over that, Martinez? That, like how? Well, what standards are we using here? To, to, because Otamendi has been past his time for like 15 years. That's the same so, question <laughs> I had in 2018. And now it's four years past. Yeah, yeah. It's just like Otamendi is just clearly not up to any. But anyway, I think, you know, I think Ten Hag has clearly done a really, a really good job. The thing that goes, it gets kind of taken for granted is because De Gea had about 18 month period when he was really struggling right. and his job was under contention. I think it was Dean Henderson or who, who was it? Um, whoever was their backup um, was almost getting in on the job. He played, played for Spain in the World Cup. He let in that ridiculous goal against Portugal, like the Ronaldo free kick yeah, right at, like, right. Yeah. That was, I mean, so he had a weird moment, but aside from that, over the last, you know, 10, let's say years, he, it's hard to pick a better keeper in Europe over that, you know, for that entire stretch. And so he's there, he's making, you know, lots of important yeah, saves for them. He's just a solid keeper back there, um, which, which is, which is important. <laughs> and, um, and then, yeah, they have Rashford, they have Sancho, and they have Anthony. And I don't think either one of them is really setting setting the world ablaze. I mean, Anthony is a bit of a character. You saw the little spinny, yeah. whatever that the hell that is. I mean, it's, it would be nice if like someone like this, if Ronaldo, we don't know what Ronaldo's like behind the stage. It, it, it very well might be the case. I don't know. I, I try to give him the benefit of the doubt. It very well might be the case that okay, this guy's a petulant figure or whatever, but he's such an icon of the game yeah. that it's like a real treat to be in training with him where you're like, oh my God, this is Ronaldo. This is how Ronaldo trains. This is, it, it might be like that, or he might just be a jerk to, to train with as well. I don't know, but Anthony, I mean, no one's going to be as good as Ronaldo for a long time, but Anthony's pretty similar to what Ronaldo was. He's young, he's brash, he's fast. He does way too many tricks. He's not nearly as effective as he should be given his skill set. And that was Ronaldo when he came in to United the first time. So it'd be nice if instead of all these antics, if he was just taking someone under his wing, um, right. that could be a real dignified way of ending his career instead of uh, whatever shenanigans he's been, he's been up to, you know. Um, but yeah, Ten Hag, it, you, make, you make a really good point. He has the leverage that even like a Mourinho couldn't, couldn't get like five years ago. Um, right. So I think... He'll have, you know, he'll have a few seasons to put a project into place. And given the frailties of basically the Premier League, except for City, um, really, there's no reason why they can't, you know. It's the same thing, like, it's the situation you'd hope Xavi would have inherited, where it's like, okay, you've come into a, a very prestigious club, but not in their finest moment. 
take the some time. The expectations are low, right? I mean, the here expectations should like be low. Yeah, I mean, it, Javi doesn't have that. I mean, they're expected to do. In fact, they had Laporta, and this was like a release. They their expectations for the season was winning La Liga and reaching the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Like their publicly <laughs> set expectations. What are they thinking? And the thing is, the thing that's kind of embarrassing is they would have done that. They could have done that without any of this investment. They do you remember they played against? It wasn't that long ago they played against, you know, in the Clasico. They shredded Madrid. Okay, granted, it wasn't the it wasn't Benzema wasn't playing. You're talking about the four nil or the one nil? Yeah, I'm talking about the four nil. I mean, this wasn't this was just young players, and this is with Adama Traore too, who they just let you know, who they just dismissed right. summarily for for reasons I, I still can't. So. It doesn't, it's just not, it never has been an effective strategy. It's like, it, it, no matter what the sport is, there's analogs in all these different sports. Um, you don't just go and buy a ton of top players and just assemble them um, together. And if you want to do it, then at least buy like a player in their prime. Don't, don't you don't buy like Lewandowski and, and Rafinha. I mean, it doesn't. Uh, I don't know how I've circled back to Barcelona again. I, I think my brain just moves in these these little orbits. <laughs> <laughs> no, I also think that's the. I wake up. I was sleeping with this girl. She's like, "What happened?" You woke up. I was, oh, you you were screaming Lewandowski. I, I was like, oh. <laughs> "Are you okay?" I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, "That's, that's brain... real trauma." <laughs> <laughs> the... uh, but it's true. Go ahead, go ahead, No, I mean, I think, I mean, apart from the aesthetic pinnacle, which, you know, Barcelona embodies in the imaginary still, I think one other reason why I like to talk about them and not Madrid as much is they are, apart from their their, their decline, is also a decline of the Spanish league, right, which right. one sees, which is kind of like that's disturbing for any number of reasons because you don't want one league to be so far ahead but I think that's one of the reasons why Barcelona still is um uh, you know that that there's a certain Catalan anti-establishment sort of history that they have that you know you feel patriotic about it and long after they've lost all the players that we yeah 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 uh, exactly yeah actually with Messi gone and Alba, Busquets, and PK more or less playing a subsidiary role. They've now the whole team is new now, effectively. So, yeah, and the, the but your point about La Liga is well taken because not only like like you mentioned, now they all eliminated from the Champions League, but it used to be the point. It's it's not it's not necessarily anything dramatically new that the Premier League has more spending power than La Liga. I think that's probably been the case for uh, maybe the last five years, I would guess. But what's new is I feel like there's been this cumulative effect coming and we've reached, we've finally (laughs) seen the full realization of that spending power because it used to be the case even a few years ago. I think I made this point at the beginning. No matter who played against be it Villarreal, be it Valencia, be it Sevilla, no matter which Premier League team came up against them, Sevilla, Villarreal, or Valencia would beat this Premier League team. Even if 
this said Premier League team, it's usually United or an Arsenal, could have bought in the previous transfer market any of those players from those teams. <laughs> they could have, but, but there was a certain cohesiveness about these players and a certain aesthetic style and like a craftiness which La Liga brought. And I think it's just simply no longer the case. Like they're they're just being the talent is being picked um, too too consistently from. The, and the point that I was trying to make is Unai Emery coming to Aston Villa. I mean, yeah. there you have a person. You know, it's just it's it has to simply. And he was be, doing very well at Villarreal. He's, right? he's doing very well. Finals last year of the Champions League. You go from reaching the semifinals of the Champions League, having Liverpool on the ropes in the second leg with like 30 minutes to go right. um, to taking an Aston Villa job, which is going to be a rele- relegation battle. And you knowingly are making Basically. that choice, yeah. you know? Um, and yeah, so it's, that, that pretty much sums it up. You can't imagine, I mean, the equivalent would be like Antonio Conte l- leaving uh, Tottenham mid-season to go to like Malaga. Uh, it's, I mean, it's the equivalent, but it's it's laughable. But it's 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 it's. Yeah, you it's can imagine it the other way around, but this way is not going to happen. It's, yeah, it doesn't. It's so so, I mean, I, I, on that note, I was really sad to see because we were talking. Even I think it might have been the last podcast or two before I was saying we had our eyes on Aston Villa's project here because Steven Gerrard was coming in trying right. this really attacking style and <laughs> just right. didn't they didn't give him any time right. um to, to implement it at all. Like they fired him right. already, which seems just ridiculous. But um But you know, I mean yeah, but, this like I mean there's something that's obviously we keep thinking about the Premier League's sudden rise at the expense of all other leagues. Um I really think the one point that keeps, and I've said this before on, on more than one occasion, it's that South America now is no longer the monopoly of Italy and right. Spain. Like it, South American players are just comfortable now going to coaches too. We're talking about Emery and Pep and so on, but it's just more comfortable now going to England as well. I think cultures have um, globalized and they don't feel like misfits over there you don't you can you can speak spanish and, and stay in england wherever it wouldn't really affect yeah too much so it's a good point I'm, i think that really yeah. <laughs> i know there have been the suarez and all that word there i mean not too long ago but like a player like darwin nunez luz diaz these are not players who you'd see organically going to the premier league earlier right they'd spend most of their careers bouncing around Italy and Spain before. Now, like he's picked straight from South America to, to England. That wouldn't have happened even 10 years ago. No, it's a good point. And I remember seeing like, uh, it's players like Sergio Aguero that really paved the way. Because I remember, I think Ryan was the one who pointed out to me like some some insight into Aguero's life. And he just lived in this like mansion, but he just would go home and his wife, you know, his family would stay in Argentina and he would just be playing FIFA in the basement, yeah. you know, it's like a completely alienated uh, figure, yeah. but now they probably all have the, the nightclub life, you know, <laughs> paved out for them. And that's probably part of the recruitment structure. Okay. So um, to end this, let's, I mean, let's take a look at the Champions League groups. I mean, they're going to have their last round of games. You said they were really, I mean, I agree this time's Champions League 
like the World Cup actually is very open and, and you can't really pick a favorite. But this last set of games is going to determine, at least in a few groups, whether who comes first and second. So Group F, which has Madrid, Group G, I think City may have, I think, I, I think City may have actually just qualified as group winners here, but PSG haven't qualified as group winners. They need to win away to Juventus, who are already out, but winning mm-hmm. away to Juventus might be a task. Chelsea, same thing. Tottenham have not even qualified, so they'll they'll need to win their game to... Is it... Do you feel with everything as open as it is, Liverpool, in fact, are almost sure to come second would it really matter whether you come first or second? I mean, because the thing is, you avoid the group winners if you come first. But in such an open dynamic, and of course, the other thing is, all these games are going to be played three months later. So we may have a completely different scenario. Right. But do you reckon that there's going to be as much of a concern? I think it will, because I mean... Yeah, I think it matters. I think it does matter. And um, I think form is really... Yeah, like you're saying, there's an interruption in the season. But aside from that, form is really important and also the confidence that it brings. Like, think about Bayern Munich, man. Bayern Munich, there's, I mean, they're rolling through the group stages. No one's going to want to play against this team. I mean, granted, but I'm saying what I'm trying to say is a Bayern Munich who finishes second in the group and limps through is a different animal to play against than a Bayern Munich who wins the group and is thriving. So I don't think. The same with, with Napoli, they're flying. You don't want to be playing against um, these teams, right. nor do you. I think it's a really weakened. I think it's a it's a weakened European field um, <clears throat> this year, right. uh, as opposed to maybe some years in the past. Like the like you're saying, Juventus already out. I mean, the Giants. There's only a really a few. There's only a couple of teams really, um, like three or four that are really clicking. Right. And I've consistently been doing so. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, right. I mean, apart from you know, if Napoli pull off a shock, it would be really surprising. That's one thing. But I don't think Liverpool are going to do it this year. So it really nah. boils down to Bayern, Real Madrid, City, and PSG. And 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 PSG, we never really know whether they're actual contenders yeah, yeah. or not. So maybe it's just three. And, you know. I, I think, I mean, the prediction, when we made our predictions, I, I mean, I... I picked Bayern not because I actually think they're the best team. It's just there's something culturally. I I, I don't know. There's something Heidegger would know. There's something. There's some. <laughs> well, you some you've spirit. been like very sympathetic to the German cause. You picked Germany for the World Cup as well. So I don't like Germany. I don't no, like I know. Germany. I you know, actively I know, but root like you feel them. that they're. Like I know. Doing I, well it's right something. Now. It's something. It's like, yeah, I don't, I don't know what's happening with them. But for anyone, yeah, we do have in a couple, sometime, whenever we get our thing together, we'll have to interview Simon Critchley, the Heidegger scholar. <laughs> so he'll come on. He can tell us something, something about the German cause there. I don't okay. know. <laughs> well, we have a PSG and Juventus. I mean, it's, it's, it's nothing for Juventus, but I think PSG need to win that game in order to ensure that the second round is not against City or Real Madrid or even Chelsea and, of course, Bayern. I mean, you know, you don't want to play the, those teams in your second round. You want to ease into the Champions League, right, yeah. when, they, when you come back. Well, anyway, um, we'll see what happens um, and, and I'll see you all next week.